Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, VSIN, the sports betting network. On a Tuesday, we welcome you in. Got a big show coming up for you as we say hi. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. Of course, Amal Shaw, the bad boy in black today. Dustin Sweet, the big guy. Dustin Sweetelson, his doppelganger, will join us. Mike Martz, <laughs> of course, won a Super Bowl. He's going to join uh, Amal's doppelganger. Anthony Heron will join and my doppelganger. Adam Burke will join. Hey, look at that fellas. Three for three today. As I say hi to the boys, got a big show coming up for you. Our four pack continues as we theme out the college football season as it draws nearer and nearer today. We're going with the nerds. We're going with the smarties, <laughs> smarty pants. We got Stanford. We got Vandy. We got Duke. And we've got Northwestern. I'll say right now, I'll tease you a little bit. Northwestern freaking stinks. Who cares what's happening? Let me clarify. Of course, we care from a humanistic perspective what's happening off the field as Pat Fitzgerald, 17 years deep, lit a match, threw it over his shoulder, and (laughs) rolled out of Chicago. Uh, And whatever happened, I don't know all the details. It's disgusting. Uh, the product on the field will be disgusting as well. We'll get to Northwestern coming up in just a bit. Let's say hi to the boys, and we'll start with Amal Shaw. Hi, Amal. How are you? I'm all right. Off to a little bit of a rough start. I bought two Mr. Good bars. Figured I'd save the second one for the latter part of the show. Didn't realize even before we started, I ate both of them. So we're going to have a major crash coming there, later buddy. on. Been there. <laughs> like, like to see it. We like to see the sugar rush. Now it's 12.01 our time, 3.01 on the east. We can start putting the over under. What, what time are you going with? About an hour time. and 40, hour oh, and 45 it. minutes into the show. <laughs> we're going to see an all-time crash. I said 4.45 in my head. He nailed it. Okay, yeah, I think that's about right. Big guy, what would you say as far as the timing? Dustin Sweetelson, welcome to the show. I'm a little different. One, two candy bars would not be overeating for me, but uh, I do know, like, I'm on the shorter side. I'll go under. I think within, like, an hour or 10, I think he's going to feel really high for about 45 and he's going to come down hard about an hour or so from now. <laughs> These teams are going to put me to sleep today. <laughs> well, it's a good thing they're all getting really good degrees. That's true. He, he is going. He is going to go nuts <laughs> for about an hour and forty. <laughs> hour and forty-five. We we're going to start to see him kind of slog off a little bit. The answers will get shorter and and slower. And then by hour three, Adam Burke is going to be his lap. You know what I'm saying? He's just going to lay down. He's going to get horizontal. And, Bur- and Berkey is going to look down and see a handsome Indian man sprawled. Okay. Let me ask you, I'll start with an easy quiz for the two of you to start today's program. What do these names represent to you? Andrew Luck, Scott Tolzien. Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, former Colts starters, Carson, <laughs> Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and now Anthony Richardson. Yep, you nailed it. Colts starters. However, over the past eight seasons, they've had eight different starters in week one. This will mark the eighth straight year 
that somebody else took a snap in week one for the Colts. Now, there was one repeat that was Andrew Luck, but it wasn't successive. So, again, Luck into Tolzine, into Luck, into Brissett, into Rivers, into Wentz, into Ryan, into Anthony Richardson. If you have that type of turmoil or turnover at the quarterback position, you're not going to win many football games. I'm going to tell you right now, the number over at DraftKings, Jamal Shaw, is set at six and a half. How the Indianapolis Colts, even in that trifling division, get to seven wins is beyond me. And today they cemented that because Anthony Richardson, who just turned 21, he's old enough to buy a beer since May, and he's one of 32 in the world to play the position. And he is going to make a lot of mistakes. He looks special. Even his backup Gardner Minshew said he's going to be really special, but this year is going to be a learning experience for Richardson and the Colts. They don't get the seven wins. Let's go. I would agree with you there. I think this is a pretty easy play on the under guys. I don't see a scenario where they get seven wins. Look, he is going to make some plays on drives that are sustained or kept alive because of his mobility and his athleticism. Tough to bring down for anybody who's not a linebacker. I mean, he's built like an absolute man child. Even in the NFL, yep. he's going to look like an athlete compared to those great athletes. He's going to stand out. But Patrick, I'm looking at this schedule. They open with the Jaguars. And by the way, uh, real quick on a side note, a friend of mine said to me yesterday, how about Trevor Lawrence at 18 to one to potentially win MVP? I don't know if you guys are on board like with that it. one. Love um, Lawrence. Yeah, the, Jacksonville opens up against the Colts. I think it's a great scenario for this team. I like what they're going to be offensively with ETN, of course. Um, and then they are at Houston. That'll be a game that they need to be able to get at Baltimore, the Rams, Tennessee, at the Jags, Browns, Saints, at Carolina, at New England. Guys, they're going into their bye week with less than three wins. I t totally agree with you. I Again, it, this is a position, and you understand what they're trying to accomplish here. Also, they have a weird owner, so you don't know if this is Steichen, Shane Steichen. And by the way, how about the two assistants from the Philadelphia staff? Two hardos. The weirdo down in Arizona acting like he owns the planet, and Steichen's a bit of a hardo as well. Like to see it. How about some fun in Indianapolis this year? It's going to be a long season. It really is, big guy. And I totally agree with them all. Once we get to that bye coming up in, I believe it's week 11 yep. for Indianapolis. If they're sitting on three, that's a that's a godsend. Now, 4-12-1 last year with potentially a more talented roster. You've got a rookie now. I think what them all said is perfect. There is, there's going to be some plays from Richardson that we've never seen since Cam, Cam Newton in his prime. Like, that is the comp, right? However, he's going to make a lot of mistakes. The pick we saw in the preseason week one, you're going to see a lot of that as the defenses show more sophistication. Seven is lofty to get to on the over, big guy. Yeah, and I think that the thing that's intriguing with this team is to watch if Shane Steichen is actually a good play caller. Like, the only reason he's there is because everyone assumes he had some sort of input into how Jalen Hurts developed in Philly. We don't know if it was him. We don't know if it was Sirianni. We don't know if it was just Jalen Hurts doing what Jalen Hurts has done his whole life and just figure things out at whatever level of football he's playing. Like, I, I really want to see what this offense looks like. He's 6-1 to one to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's a little short for me, but knowing that he's going to be the starter, knowing that especially in the red zone, if he can, you know, get to the red zone, he's going to use his legs and is a threat to score – I do think that that is an interesting number on Anthony Richardson right now for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I, I think it's an absolutely terrible play. Real quick, I'm going to give you some of the names. Bijan, 275. Bryce Young, 5-1. to one. I think Bryce Young should probably be the favorite. Richardson, if you he stands up, sure. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Richardson, 6-1. to one. Stroud, 850. My guy, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 15-1, to one, I think is the best bet. I, I think he's going to have a monster year. But, guys, real quick, I want to get back to Good this number. Anthony Richardson situation. To me, and you know, we have an inside joke here between the three of us about Christian Hackenberg. We thought he couldn't play at Penn State. He gets drafted in the second round, 51st overall by the Jets, and he's out of the league in two years. Patrick, what makes people think if you couldn't throw the ball with accuracy at the collegiate level that you can at the NFL? And I get the Josh Allen comparison, but Josh Allen was not as atrocious as people make him out to be at Wyoming. 90% of the people didn't watch games in Laramie. Second, you're dealing with weather. You're also dealing with incompetent receivers. He was playing in the SEC. The Gators have had guys, Brandon Shorter is a name among others. They've had players there. It's not like they've lacked complete talent. He's just not that good of a passer. Okay, so real no, quick. I, there's gonna be a, he's going to make a lot of mistakes. Go ahead, big guy. I think there's a difference between completion percentage and accuracy. Yes. And in the league, the, the league has changed. 
you don't draft players for your system and try to get them to complete passes. You draft players, and based on their skill set, you can scheme things up to get them a high completion rate and higher success rate. I think that's what we're looking at here with Indy. I know he's not that accurate of a passer, but I do think that they can scheme it up and he will get a higher completion rate than you're thinking. I also think things were a mess at Florida. I think it's really tough to judge what went on the first year under Billy Napier. That pro program was absolutely in distress. And I, I don't think we often see rookie quarterbacks head to the league year one and kind of have the weapons he have, have a run game, have a, a pretty good receiver, have a, you know, an okay tight end. Like they're a solid offense. I think he has enough weapons to make enough happen with his legs and be a good player out of the gates. He was a freak athlete at Florida. He was a basic quarterback. Why all of a sudden is he going to get amongst the best on the planet and turn into a stud when he just turned 21? I don't understand. Look, what I like that you just said, essentially, there's a difference between completion percentage and accuracy. You blew my freaking mind, big guy. I'm going to have to ask Mike Martz about that because I like that and I've never heard it. I just think it's going to be a long year for your boy, A-Rich, who, by the way, is a good rapper. Have you seen the video circulating on social no. of him rapping? No. Deep voice, very good rapper. Could well, be a long year. I, I don't know why he's fact, doing it now. He's going to plenty of time soon. Well, he, he's like uh, QB 28 in the NFL for me right now, but he's rapper number one in Indianapolis. That's for <laughs> sure. I'll tell you this. Uh, I looked at the adjusted win total five and a half go under plus one eighty. It's a five. This is a four or five win team. No, sorry, guys. This could be outside of Arizona. The first team, first selection in the draft team. I don't disagree. I'm not as low as them as you guys are. I don't, I'm. I'm tantalized by Anthony Richardson and his legs and the fact that he's just going to raise the floor. Immediately. So was I remember what he did against. It was early in the yes. year last year at floor, And then he fell apart, like literally fell off a cliff against team, you know, against talent that does it. It's not even a, a, a modicum of what you're going to see or a comparison of what you're going to see in the pros. I agree with you. I think the upside is crazy. Scheme it up. Like to, Back to your point, yeah, those those Steichen will try to scheme them up. But back to Amal's point, or maybe it was yours, Dustin, about drafting on potential. Well, if that were true, both Texas and Carolina would have drafted this kid because the upside is just unknown. It could be all time upside. But they went Bryce and they went CJ because there's more of a guarantee there. Would you agree with that, Amal? Absolutely correct in what you said there. Real quick, I want to pose this question to both of you guys. How good of a player would Lamar Jackson be if he could throw the ball with a little bit more accuracy? I mean, just think about the greatness that is him. He's unstoppable. You can't tackle him in a phone booth. But this guy still fails when it matters most in the postseason. This is Anthony Richardson, who's like an absolute toned-down version from an accuracy standpoint. So you're saying Richardson's going to be an MVP? No, but I'm saying, I'm saying Lamar would be the greatest quarterback of all time if he could throw the ball with some accuracy without having Andrews having to jerk out and MVP. jump out every play. MVP. MVP. The big guy woke up on a Tuesday MVP. and chose violence. <laughs> Completion percentage versus accuracy. What? There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos 
in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, let's get right to it. Our next guests need no introduction. We can't even fit the resume on our screen. Of course, Super Bowl champ, head coach Mike Martz. He's writing for the 33rdteam.com. I think you guys are going to enjoy this site. Really cool. And Coach Martz joins us now. Hi, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining and prolific over at the 33rd team.com. You're writing a lot and you've got four ways. Indianapolis Colts quarterback, Anthony Richardson can improve today. He was announced the starter. Do you agree with starting a rookie and then also give us some ideas on how he can improve throughout the year? Well, the only way he's going to get better is to play. Obviously uh, you want to play him as much as you can. Uh, I think in the preseason and, uh, his feet wet. You have to be careful. Normally, you're not going to see all the stuff you see during the season in the preseason, which helps you. You have to kind of choreograph for the rookie, you know, who's in the offensive line at the time. All those things you have to consider. You can't just leave them in with several groups. So it's got to be choreographed and carefully planned. Um, but I do think it's really important that he plays as much as possible here in the preseason. Just get used to it. Uh, Coach, you mentioned three offensive coordinators that could have tremendous impacts on their team this year, one being Brian Schottenheimer in Dallas. Tell me why you think he could be so successful with Dak Prescott and the rest of that team and Mike uh, excuse me, Mike McCarthy as the head coach there. I think the relationship there with the quarterback is really important. And when you're the head coach, uh, especially in Dallas, there's so much going on that you have to deal with. The intimate relationship, you know, in terms of football, can sometimes be lacking, if you will. And, and I think he fills that void. Plus, I, he gives, he's a buffer between the offense and the head coach. He'll do the, the daily due diligence on, you know, getting the plays ready and, and uh, you know, putting the game plan together and whatnot and so that McCarthy can call the plays, on, on, you know, on the game day. So I think he's going to do so much. There's so much on, in his basket. Um, I don't know what the situation was uh, before, with the coordinator, but I just think the relationship with Mike McCarthy is probably different than it was there in the past. I think this is somebody that Mike picked and is pleased with and understands what he's trying to do. So that message can be re- relayed accurately. And, you know, this will be done the way he wants to get it done. The great coach, Mike Martz, joins us. Will Brock Purdy be enough? You know, without his helmet on, coach, he kind of looks like Mark Bolger. Uh, but here's the question. Purdy, San Francisco, will he be enough this year? Well, I think he is. I mean, just look at what he did. It's, it's, you, you can't explain it. It's just remarkable. It's like Kurt just popping on the scene out of nowhere with no experience and having the kind of year he had. Nobody would predict that. It's just who he is. And I think there's a lot of, to that with Brock Purdy. I think he's just a special competitor. Those guys that are just so convicted about how good they are and they have talent, Nothing will deter him, and it's so rare. That kind of toughness is so rare, and he has that. I, I just think that he's ready to go. Coach, you mentioned Kurt Warner there briefly for a second. You had, obviously, an amazing season. You guys had back-to-back years. You get to the Super Bowl. Tell me a little bit about what it was like being the OC on that team and then the head coach, and then seeing your guys, Kurt Warner, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, the success that they've had, guys reaching the Hall of Fame also, Orlando Pace, Marshall Falk, just what it means to you on a personal level to have contributed to where they achieve, what they achieved in the NFL. I appreciate that. I think overall that's why you coach. You know, I mean, the whole reason I do it is to take a player or a team or a group of players and maybe help them achieve something they didn't know they could achieve or, or maybe they wanted to achieve, you know, be a, a facilitator. And that's a thrill in it for me. And it worked out. I think most coaches are like that. You know, that's, that's our gratification is watching improvement, watch you guys have success and, and being good teachers. And, and that's what you are as a coach. You're a teacher first and foremost. And 
if you do a good job with it and they're very talented, then you have that kind of success. So I was really pleased to be part of that. Obviously, they're also talented, so it's probably a lot easier than you know, other situations, but it was a lot of fun. Patrick, four Hall of Famers and Torrey Holt will eventually get in. I can't believe he's not in yet, but when you think about that, five guys out of 11 our starters on that team are in Canton or excuse me. No, uh, listen, it's a hundred years of the league. Amal and coach Martz and the greatest show on turf left an indelible mark on the league forever. It's I'm glad you brought it up. It's a great run. I want to go back to the Cowboys coach because we have a lot of Cowboys fans at the network and Amal asked you about coach McCarthy and Schottenheimer. Do you think it was time to move on from Kellen Moore? Because it did seem like that was a pretty prolific and proficient offense with Moore running the offense. Yeah, I think it was time to move on. Kellen needed to move on. Um, just watching them, I can see the frustration between the two of them. I, you know, Kellen wasn't doing what he wanted to do. He, he was kind of had a, a governor on him a little bit. And, of course, Mike is more conservative. and He wants more of a conservative approach where – you rely a little bit more on the running game. Um, Kellen was perfectly happy to wing it uh, just about every down, and I, I get all that. But he's a very bright guy. But I think where where the head coach is, it's really important that you have somebody that, that has a terrific buy-in to what you want and can relay that to the rest of the players so that everybody's on the same page. And I'm not so sure you know, that was the case. That doesn't mean that Kellen's not a good coach or isn't going to do a great job in San Diego. It's a contrast of philosophies, and that's why it was so important to get Brian there. Uh, Coach, I know you're going to be very humble on this statement, but I want to read you a quote that Mark Bulger had about you. He said he was by far the smartest football mind I've ever been around. The things he was teaching was so far ahead of what others were teaching. I know you're going to be humble on this response, but just tell me a little bit about what your approach was with your players in terms of because you were throwing the ball at such a prolific rate and success when others weren't doing it. Was there ever a concern in the back of your mind that, hey, the NFL at that time was probably a run-first league, but we're stepping outside the box here? Yeah, I mean, I was aware of all that. And it was uh, you have to prepare yourself for the criticism. I mean, we come off the field and we'd win a game – 35 to seven and they'd be yelling at me to run the ball, run the ball, you know, that kind of thing at home. So, you know, I get all that. Uh, here's, I knew what we had and Ozakim was kind of an unknown. Tori was a rookie. Uh, we were going to rebuild or restart Isaac, you know, Ricky pro. So going into it, nobody really kind of knew what that group was. I think we did watching practice. So, and with Kurt, we didn't know what we had. Obviously, Trent Green was a quarterback going in. But we had practiced at such a high level every single day. It was scary. And we were really good on defense. The year before I got there, they last in league on offense. But they were like fifth or sixth or whatever it was on defense. So they were good defense. And when we started going in the springtime, this is before we even got into camp, we started just to address the defense. I thought, holy cats here, you know. So what do you do with that? Do you, do you put a governor on it? Or do you just keep, keep feeding them, right? So we start experimenting with things and, and giving some guys some new challenges. Hey, how about this? Start experimenting, putting guys in awkward positions that they hadn't played before, defense hadn't seen before, running routes that nobody else has run, these high-angle corners from the inside with Torrey. And some of these, throw, some of these plays, we, we hit them in practice by accident, ran the wrong route, but it, it was good. You know, stuff like that. So – you know, why would you stop doing it? You know, it just was so invigorating for these players. Each week that we came up with some different things for them, they just got they just got hungry. You know, and they just there was so much fun and enthusiasm. I can remember one week. Um, I think it was in '01 when our quarterback coach John Ramsdale came up to me and he said, "You know, Coach, uh, we've been charting every throw in practice." Once, once we get out of stretch and every pass is thrown by every quarterback and the ball has not touched the ground in five weeks. Now think about that two hour practice. Wow. No ball was incomplete for five weeks. Think about that. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know. So I didn't think, but they had gotten into such a routine and we talked about just pursuing excellence every day, you know, just all the little tiny details do just be perfect. You can be perfect. That's not about you can't be perfect is wrong. You can be perfect. And it just, the buy in there was terrific. And then when that happens and they're playing at such a level, 
you just try to get him the ball any way you can. And, and then that part's easy, you know. And then you just don't worry about the criticism. Because if it goes bad, it goes bad. You just got to make sure you can draw it back. And when things get really tough, you know that you're going to turn hand that ball to number 28. Great memories. Coach Mike Martz, just have two minutes. Let me ask you, put yourself in Ron Rivera's shoes. You've got a one-year audition for a new ownership group. Does Sam Howell start the whole entire regular season, or do you think he goes to Brissett? You know, it's hard because I don't, I haven't seen enough of Sam Howell to know. I think Jacoby's a pretty good player, but I think they have to make that decision uh, and be firm with it. You, you can't make the decision and say, well, if he doesn't do well, well, you, you can't do that. You lose a football team doing that. I think Sam Howell, from talking to those coaches out there, has a terrific upside to him. I think they're very excited about him. Uh, I think you just need to build them up and get the, the players confident in him. And you know, the way the way guys get injured anymore, I mean, there's a chance that Jacoby's going to come back in anyway. I hate to say that, but you know, these guys get injured so much that who knows what's going to happen. I just think you go with Sam Howell and and let it roll, and, and get everybody get on the same page there and, and support them as best you can. You can't be kind of in and kind of out on a deal like that. You got to be all in. There you go. Coach Mike Martz, you're the best, man. Thank you so much for the time. The 33rdteam.com. A lot of great stuff up there if you like the NFL. Appreciate you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Coach Mike Martz, some good memories, too, from his days, the greatest show on turf. (laughs) Five weeks, the ball didn't hit the ground. Well, you know, when you think about it, wish I had that information as a better. (laughs) Well, yeah, right. I mean, who would have thought the Rams? I still still remember the quote vividly, guys. Remember when uh, Rodney Harrison hit Trent Green and then Dick Vermeil goes, we'll circle around Kurt Warner and we'll play great football. I think Dick Vermeil was the only person, including Kurt Warner, that believed in Kurt Warner. Your boy was probably crying too, because hey, Vermeil my guy. could cry at the drop of a hat. Dude, that, I mean, that's my, my all-time favorite guy in sports. I want to watch the Notebook with Dick Vermeil and just <laughs> stare at him. <laughs> Rom-com time with Vermeil. We're back. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. One of the gentlemen in our industry, Anthony Heron, is going to join us. I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, Big Ten Network analyst, Fox 32, Chicago Bears analyst. You can find Anthony Heron at Big Ant Heron on Twitter. Also, listen to him, Big Ten radio there on SiriusXM. He's one of the best dudes around. It's great to see you again, Anthony. How are you? I'm fantastic, Patrick, man. It's always good to chop it up with you, especially with the football season approaching. Big Ten country is uh, is ever expanding, as you might have noticed. So there's all kinds of stuff to chat about. Yes, and of course, with Chicago, and of course, Anthony went to Iowa, played in the NFL, but he lives there in downtown Chicago. And we were talking about a school that's adjacent to downtown Chicago and Northwestern. Now, off the field, crazy drama, Anthony. We won't get into that. With that, a transition from Fitzgerald, let's talk about Northwestern, and we'll just start with the idea that David Braun, he was brought in to fix a defense. Next thing you know, he turns around, he's the head coach. This is going to be a long year for a team that won one game last year. It seems that way, and you know, when, when you add in the fact that the, the roster was, was pretty depleted of talent anyway, even with some of the talent that returned from last year, it didn't perform at a high level the previous season. So you'll have a new mind in there just schematically on defense, running things. But then you you add in all the turmoil off the field and the controversy that just envelops the athletic department. You see some efforts being made there to try and circle the wagons from those who remain and, you know, probably ill-advised messaging, I think would be the most polite way to put some of that. But as much as they will attempt to do to try to salvage things, I think, uh, in Evanston, it seems like it's shaping up to be a really difficult season. I, I would imagine a lot of folks would be surprised if Northwestern doesn't find themselves in a position on the field, you know, even regardless of everything that's going wrong off the field, but even just on the field for Northwestern football, it would have been a, a surprise to see them have a big, you know, sort of catapulting back 
into the, the division title sort of picture that we've seen them in in the not too distant past. But you add everything else up off there. And David Braun, first time in the Power Five, first time as a head coach, and you know bringing in the administration decided to bring in Skip Holtz just to see if they could help bolster some of the additional support around David Braun with the program. But it, it would be asking a lot to to think that Northwestern may have a a lot of success on the field this year. Anthony, building a little bit off of Patrick's question, you played at Iowa. You went there. You had committed and played initially under Hayden Fry, who I think is one of the greatest Big Ten coaches of all time. And then you went to my least favorite coach of all time in the Big Ten, Kirk Ferentz. Tell me a little bit about what a transition is like as a player when you commit to a program. And let's be real here. Hayden Fry's personality and those things kind of got you to Iowa along the way, a variety of other reasons. But what is it like as a player to go from one head coach to a different one? And we see that right now at Northwestern and, of course, other programs throughout the country also. It's difficult. I mean, even, you know, 20 plus years ago when I went through it, there was no transfer portal, but we had a bunch of teammates transfer out because when you sign up for a program, you, you are you you're going there because you love the campus and because you love the opportunity that's going to be there, but you do develop relationships. You develop bonds with the coaches who are there that recruit you. Brett Bielema was the main recruiter for me. I was actually part of his first staff or his first class that he brought in when he became a full-time coach on staff with Hayden Fry at Iowa. So, you know, he and I still have a close, a close bond to this day and Hayden Fry at that time, you know, he was, you know, sort of towards the end of his time. And that was part of the negative recruiting that took place when other schools were trying to tell me, don't go to Iowa, you should come here instead. Mm -hmm. For me, it came down to Iowa and Michigan State were basically my final two. Nick Saban was at Michigan State at the time. Hayden Fry was at Iowa. Everyone told me, well, don't go to Iowa because Hayden Fry is getting old. He's not going to be there your whole career. And then the negative recruiting against Michigan State was, well, Nick Saban's going back to the NFL. That guy's not interested in being a college coach anymore. Neither guy ended up being there my entire time. The four years I played college football, Hayden Fry did end up retiring after two seasons. Nick Saban didn't immediately go to the NFL. He went to LSU and then made his way to the National Football League. So I guess to some extent, both things ended up being true. But you know, having Hayden Fry for my first two years or Kirk Ferentz for my last two years, two in some ways diametrically opposed personalities, but just you know, great men, awesome individuals. And while the program transitioned in personality of leadership under Kirk Ferentz. I mean, you know, we're, we're a quarter century later at this point. You kind of see why, why he's had so much success at Iowa. Big Ant, Anthony Heron, Big Ten Network, of course, Fox 32 with the Chicago Bears, Sirius XM joins us here on VSIN. So it looks like Harbaugh with the infractions is going to coach the full 2023 season. I was just home Ant, in Michigan and the expectations. I haven't seen it like this in a long time. For Michigan, like if they don't win a championship, it's going to be a letdown this year. Are they that talented? Do you view this Michigan team as a championship team? I believe they are. Uh, when you look at what returns for Michigan, the product production that returns on each side of the ball, especially on offense, it'll sort of flip things on, on their head in the perception of Michigan this year, because we've come accustomed to as Jim Harbaugh was winning, you know, double digit games in a lot of seasons where a lot of it was led by a domineering defense. And they're still expected to have that, but having a returning starter at quarterback on offense and JJ McCarthy, who they didn't ask a lot of him for the bulk of last season and the opportunities that were there. Frankly, I talked about it a lot on the big 10 network where there were some deep ball plays that, that he missed that he didn't take advantage of when a receiver would break free based off some play action with that great run game they had. Then late in the year, think back to that Ohio State game. Think back to the Big Ten title game. Even the TCU game with a couple of pick sixes, he threw the ball at a high level. That, to me, shows that the growth of a young quarterback. Jim Harbaugh told me in Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago, Big Ten media days, he sees him as a generational talent. That's a big statement when you think about the quarterbacks that Jim Harbaugh's worked with, and he doesn't use terms like that lightly, but he is an extremely talented individual. And I do believe, you know, we haven't seen it a lot of recent vintage, but there's every reason for Michigan to be the favorite in the big 10 East and in the big 10 conference this season. Obviously Anthony, Ohio state's going to be a competitor with them, but what does Penn state need to do to potentially overcome both those schools in front of them? It, it's going to be a tough ask, but this is a, a team as equipped as any that James Franklin has had to take that challenge on. You know, Penn state has always played Ohio State really well because I think, you know, in in personnel, they're similar to some extent 
And you know, the quarterback position is in some ways what has separated some of the good, maybe not quite great Penn State teams from being able to get over the hump. Do you have a quarterback you can count on to make that key play at that key moment? The great thing they have as talented as the anticipated starter Drew Aller is, as a guy who is a borderline four or five star level recruit. He got some time last season behind the, the very experienced Sean Clifford and he performed well, better than I thought he would. I, I call the all American bowl every year for NBC. I saw him as a high school recruit on his way to Penn state. He still struck me as being really green at that point in his development. So I thought if he had to play at all as a true freshman, he may struggle just from being overwhelmed. He never really looked overwhelmed on the field. So I was impressed by that. But what may, what will likely make this team different than most we've seen with James Franklin is that Penn State's good on the line of scrimmage, not just their pass rush, but their offensive line. Think back to last season on the road at Auburn, the way they were able to push around a good defensive front from the Auburn Tigers. You do that on the road in SEC country, a couple of really talented freshmen and then now sophomore running backs and Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen. A lot of the offense shouldn't be on the shoulders of Drew Aller this season. It's going to make a big difference, just like I talked about J.J. McCarthy last year, where he peaked late in the season. Drew Aller should be in a position to do that this year. If he's just good, Penn State will be in a great, you know, great spot to win the majority of their games. And then maybe by November, if a young first-time starter is peaking late in the season, that could really pay dividends for the Nittany Lions. Anthony, do you like the fit of Luke Fickle in Madison there at Wisconsin? I like it long-term. I have my reservations about this first season because I'm about tangible evidence. You know how I am about these things over the years, Patrick. I want to see it so I can anticipate success in the not-too-distant future for the Badgers because of what an excellent coach Luke Fickle is. And one of the questions I'd had about Wisconsin in recent years was whether or not there was another level to Badgers football. You know, could Wisconsin become a program that doesn't just compete for a Big Ten West Division title or make a Big Ten championship game and then, you know, sort of get outmanned or, you know, outscored by some other opponent? Can they get themselves in the, into the national championship conversation? And I believe the plan that we're seeing here early in place from Luke Fickle to keep a level of physicality, to keep a focus on defense, but to have an offense that will be able to open the game up a lot more than we've ever seen from Wisconsin in years past. And Phil Longo comes in with him to try and get that done. So there's a lot to be excited about, but I, I was my pick to click and I, I don't go out of my way to pick the Hawkeyes, even though they're my alma mater and everything, mm -hmm. but there's more proven commodities in Iowa city. And we sort of know what to expect the championship pedigree quarterback an offensive line that returns a lot of talent and transfers more in that's building off of last season. So I think Wisconsin, I certainly wouldn't be shocked for them to win the division, but I don't think they're the pick to click. I think it's the Hawkeyes. Ooh, like it. Like it. 12 to 1 there in the Big Ten for Iowa. You hear that? That is the sound of Anthony's son watching Paw Patrol. That means we get another segment with Anthony Heron, Big Ten Network, of course, Fox 32 with Chicago and the Bears next. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, 
business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN, the sports betting network. This is Sharp Money. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher. And we've got a family here, not just VSIN, but on Sharp Money. And Adam Burke is squarely in the middle of that family. We love Burke. He wasn't here last week, going through a lot. We appreciate having him back. VSIN betting analysts, skating tripods on Twitter. Uh, I think the place would crumble like a house of cards if Berkey went away forever because not only is he essentially you know, part of the mix when it comes to the college football betting guide, you've got your baseball betting guide, you got your NFL betting guide, you've got your baseball podcast. He does so much editorially uh, at vcin.com. So it's great to have you back. And why don't we start here? We are going to be updating, first off, awesome job with the college football betting guide. We can talk about that and the feedback you've heard. But also, we're going to be updating soon our NFL betting guide. That was a big point of... That was a a focus for us was getting the NFL betting guide out early this year and then kind of updating as we went. Let's talk about when we can expect an update and welcome back, Berkey. Yeah, good to be back. Good to see you guys again. Yeah, so I mean, look, you know, anytime you put something out as far in advance of the season as we did with our NFL betting guide on June 29th, there will be things that change. There will be things that happen that need to be addressed. And we're kind of waiting to get through the preseason and make sure you know, that there are no significant injuries that kind of account for changes in terms of the odds, whether it's Super Bowl, win totals, make the playoff odds, stuff like that. So we're working through doing some quick updates in terms of the team pages. This is not meant to replace the original NFL betting guide from late June. This is meant to be kind of a complement to it of what we've seen in the preseason. We're going to talk to some beat writers, some team analysts, get some thoughts from them on players that maybe stood out during preseason and the training camp period and all of that. We're going to have some contest strategies for, you know, things like if you're in a pick em contest, like the Circa Million, Westgate Super Contest, a Survivor Contest, we're going to have that. But also, we're going to take a look ahead to week one, get Steve Mackinnon's thoughts, some betting systems, some trends. And also, you guys will be hearing about this from John Goulet, Len Mead, and everyone else involved. We're going to get a pick from Every single person who's on air, whether they're a full-time host, a fill-in host, we're going to get a pick from them, whether it's week one, a future, something like that, in that updated guide, which will come out August 31st, available only to VSIN Pro subscribers. Let me save you the time on the email. I've got the Texans winning the Super Bowl. Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. <laughs> when, when people ask for a refund on their VSIN subscription, they're going to mention Amal Shaw. I'll show you my betting ticket. I'll go bet it. I didn't say for oh, how you're much. you're not kidding. I am kidding. I just, oh. I just didn't want to receive the email from you. Well, I was, <laughs> I, I was hoping you were kidding. telling the truth. No, I CJ Stroud, man. I'm a realist. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you right now, though, I have two teams. I haven't decided yet, guys. Maybe you guys have an opinion on it. San Francisco and Philadelphia, to me, are far above everybody else in the NFC. Yep. I agree with that. Big Brock Purdy guy over there, Amal? No, I'm a fan big, of the big fact Trey that... Trey Lance guy. No, I'm a fan of the fact that they've got six to seven players in the National Football League that are one, two, or three at their respective positions. Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk is a tremendous number two receiver. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, of course. Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. This team is loaded. Who knew Amal Shaw was coming with Houston Texan shtick on a Tuesday, but there it is, and we appreciate it. The, the, the hey, I'm still awake, buddy. I beat the over. I beat the over. I think that, I bring out the, the best. That, that, he does that's for a little is. bit. Yeah. It's, it's Berkey. He's another Clevelander. I know. The, um, the college football betting guide. Then we'll get into Anthony Richardson. We'll start, talk some NFL. Um, the college football betting guide. I, so much to be taken from it. The kind of helping betters build their own power ratings. I thought it was great. Um, what's been the feedback so far on the college football betting guide? Yeah, I think everything's been really, really positive with the college football guide. I mean, it's, it's a big publication. We got previews for all 133 FBS teams in there. 
And we got a lot of feature stuff in terms of looking at, you know, like you mentioned, how to put together your own power ratings model, how to create home field advantage. Those are two features that I wrote. Thoughts on the Heisman where, yeah, Caleb Williams should win the award. If he stays healthy and stays upright, he should win the award. But are there other guys out there that are worth taking a look at? You know, a piece on how to interpret and analyze you know, the visa and betting splits that we have. There's all kinds of good stuff in that college football guide. And look, I think, you know, while we do a lot of great stuff to get you ready for the NFL season, a lot of people know the NFL, right? They know the personnel. They know they kind of have their betting strategies. They kind of know a lay of the land. College football with the transfer portal, NIL, the coaching carousel, all of that, there's so much more to try and keep up with. So I think that publication especially, really, really vital to anybody who wants to bet college football this year. And, again, those team previews, they have a win total pick for every team where we talk about our confidence level in it futures, all kinds of stuff. So it's a great, great guide to get you ready for the season. I'm very proud of the work that we put together, and it's a massive undertaking. I certainly didn't do it alone. Our editors, our you know guide editor, everybody involved in the process really, really helped out with putting out what I think is the best version that we've ever had. Patrick, yeah. I, I got to tell you, the college football guide is unbelievable. I've been buying Athlons, Lindy's, and several others for a number of years, and this year, the only thing I bought was Athlons and their guide this year that we put out here. I, I don't want to say we because I didn't do anything with that in terms of helping to construct it. But they've done a tremendous job and it's better than Athlons. The information and the reality of it is, look, when you look at the other guides that give you returning starters and statistical information, this is going to take the horse to the water. And if you want to drink it, it's up to you in terms of deciding you want to go over, under, win a conference, whatever it may be. I think there's just a lot of pertinent information that will help you because it is hard for people that may not necessarily be in the betting space 24-7 to really be able to keep up with certain teams. And they've done a great job of breaking every one of those teams down. Yeah, I would say that some of the – magazines I grew up with went on a diet because yes. they're skinny these yes. days. I have no clue where all the info went. And I would say that VEASAN, we gorged because there's 200 page. I mean, there's so much, so much information. The mitigation of home field advantage is in there. First year head coaches, which is so pertinent is in there. The power rating. I think it's so important. If you're just looking to model the power rating from Berkey's important. I, I can't talk about it enough. I agree with them all. It's vcin.com slash subscribe. Okay, I'm going to bring the, let's bring the four of us up and I'm going to play a little game because you mentioned it. You guys just interrupt me when I say a name that matters to you. So Heisman Trophy right now, DraftKings. Caleb Williams is five and a half to one to go back to back. Let's go. Jaden Daniels is 11 to one. I like it. Okay, you're up first, Dustin. Go ahead. Oh, I think they're going to win the West. They're going to be in the SEC title game. They're absolutely loaded. He has great weapons to throw to. He has an elite defense that's going to keep them in ball games. I think that he's a guy that has a lot of continuity coming to the year. We saw what he did his first year at LSU with a short offseason, getting acclimated to things in Baton Rouge, playing for Brian Kelly. I think this team has all the pieces to compete for a national title. With that, that means he can potentially be in the mix for the Heisman. He can use his legs. He can score that way. He can use his arm to score. I just think everything, the recipe is all there for him to be one of the finalists. I don't think he's a superstar gaudy numbers guy, but I think because LSU's going to be so good, he will be in the mix at the end. Well done. Okay. I can't Turkey, argue with it. And, and look, also, I mean, they don't play Georgia in the regular season, so that's a big help. And if they win that Florida State game in week one, then what does that price become? If he's the star of that game, what is that, 8-1, to one, 750, something like that? You know, so that's something where I think you can grab a little bit of equity right now. I think you could still win it, even if they lose that game, if they run the table. But if he's really good in that game, that price is coming down, especially when you consider he'd be beating Jordan Travis, who's a very, very popular, you know, pick in that Heisman market as well. Great argument by Adam. However, I vehemently disagree. I think his odds will increase when Florida State beats them September 3rd in Orlando. Jordan Travis will be in New York City. I don't know if he's going to win it, but that would be my bet. At about 14 to 1, guys, he is a legitimate big time dual threat. Caleb Williams is probably, and him and Drake May are the two best college quarterbacks, but Jordan Travis, in terms of his ability with his legs and what he can do, I'm going to die on this hill this year, Patrick, but I'm going to tell you, I love it. The first two of the four weeks of the season, they play Florida State, I'm sorry, LSU and Clemson. So Florida State's got an opportunity, and Travis can get to a point where he gets ahead of the field, and then everybody else is chasing him. Love it. Love it. I was going to ask you. So Jaden Daniels, 11 to one Quinn Ewers, 13 to one. No, thank you. Jordan Travis and 
Klubnik are tied at 14 to one. I don't understand the Klubnik love. May 16 to one. I'll go Penix Jr. at 16 to one, boys, just because I think it could potentially be if he stays healthy. That's always a Penix Jr. Uh, addendment. But he is surrounded by freakish skill. And that offense could be the best in college football. Just at 16 to one. Do you hate it all with Penix Jr.? I know you're not huge on the player. No, but here's the thing. You bring up a great point. When you look at McMillan and you look at Adunzier on the perimeter, these guys are the second best receiving core in college football. And it's not even that close for me. They're just behind Ohio State, but they're way, is still way ahead of Georgia in the receiving core. Penix had a monster year last year. Look, I have a problem sometimes. I hone in or criticize people based on one performance and negatively, or I give them a lot of praise based on one performance. And the play against UCLA was very porous last year by Washington. They turned that around. He had a phenomenal game in uh, Eugene against a huge rival in Oregon. He's got an opportunity to have a 10 and 2, 11 and 1 type of season. There's no reason you can't make the argument that Michael Penix, with the numbers he'll put up in the second year and his third with Kalen DeBoer, remember he was at IU with him, he can have a monster year, Patrick. The, a better's worst friend, recency bias. Yes. And I'm, and I'm glad that you mentioned it because I think we fall, Burke, we fall into that trap, right? Where in all, especially with 17 games in the NFL, we react so much to what we had just seen the previous week. It's up, down, it's up, down, it's recency bias. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you do have a smaller sample size of data points in college football. So you do have to pay a little bit more attention to that recency bias to one game that could be bad. I will say this. I have Washington at least a 13 and a half point favorite in each of their first five games. So Penix wow. is set up to put up really good numbers early on in the year. What will be the deciding factors? What does he do head to head against Caleb Williams? Assuming they're both healthy. What does he do against Utah? What does he do against Oregon? Because after the bye, I have them a short favorite at home against Oregon, about a two point favorite in that game. So those will be kind of the, the litmus tests for him. The one thing I'll mention about Klubnik real quick. I know we're coming up against the break. Garrett Riley, former OC at TCU. If Klubnik is a dude, he's got the OC to be a dude. So if he's going to be that guy, this will be the year where we see those signs from him. Go ahead, Amal. Three out of four games, they play Oregon, USC, and Utah. That's the gauntlet. That's going to be the determining factor for Michael Penix in Washington. Berkey is back. It's great to see him. We continue Sharp Money. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 